Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the Bleacher Connection with your host, Ken and Trevor. Your source for sports and all things in between. As always, you can find us on social media, on Twitter. Trevor's at the BleacherCon1, and I'm at the BleacherCon2. You can find us on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. And in this week's episode, Ken and I are going to kick it a little old school, and we're going to talk hockey. We've got uh, trade deadlines coming up, so we've got some things to say about that in the NHL. And we want to talk about our teams, uh, the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. Uh, last we left the Calgary Flames, had just made a significant move in hiring Daryl Sutter. And we kind of want to have a little bit of a recap on, unfortunately for both of our teams, kind of a season that's gone off the rails uh, for different reasons, uh, to be honest. Uh, but before we get going here, Ken, we've had a, an interesting couple of weeks on the Bleacher Connection. We did lots of CFL talk. Why don't you bring some of our listeners up to speed on some of the fun times we've had? Yeah, actually, the, the last month has been quite different for you and I since how we from when we started out and what we were doing, we actually uh, branched out and started doing some interviews. And I don't know, it's been a blast having the, these sit downs with right now, so far, a lot of CFL personalities, players, coaches, uh, media. It's been awesome. I've had a lot of fun with it, learned a lot of interesting things and heard some really great stories. Yeah. For those that didn't get a chance to listen, this is a great opportunity to go back and, and take a listen. Uh, a few weeks back, we we interviewed uh, British Columbia Lions offensive coordinator Kelly Bates and former player. He had tons of great stories. And one of the things that he said that really resonated with me was about getting the players back onto the field this year and get some money back in their pocket. And I think both of us kind of took that to heart where it's like, you know, we in all the, the things that have happened with COVID, we've kind of forgotten about the players a little bit. And that, that really resonated with me. Yeah, definitely. It was very eye-opening that you think about it. Unless they were getting any kind of assistance, potentially from government programs, whether it be in the United States or in Canada, they were collecting a paycheck. And that, uh, you know, some of them do work other jobs in the off season, but if those weren't operating because if they weren't essential then it was a really tough time so yeah after kelly bates we went on to another player from the offensive line and spoke to Derek dennis about his his career in the cfl and his time in the nfl and i know uh it was really interesting to hear i know i mean i'm a seahawks fan when it comes to the nfl i'm not a big uh, new england patriots fan at all but got to hear some pretty interesting insights about the uh how the Patriots work for he, he was there for a short period of time, but definitely interesting to kind of hear the insights of what it was like going into a locker room with Tom Brady and how Brady came up to introduce himself. Like Derek didn't know who he was. And I thought that was pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting to hear, you know, and that bill Belichick is what you see on the sidelines is what you get in the locker room and everywhere else. 
that is Bill Belichick. So that was really interesting. I really, you know, enjoyed getting to hear a different, uh, different perspective from just the CFL game. It was also the NFL as well. Yeah. And shortly after the interview with Derek Dennis, we got to sit down with Danny Austin of post media in Calgary. Uh, he covers the Calgary Stampeders and the, and the Calgary flames uh, it, for the Calgary Herald. And I got to admit that was a very enlightening interview for me. Um, it was really, really interesting to, to hear the media perspective on some of the CFL XFL talk that's been going on. And, and also Danny didn't shy away from a, a bit of a Twitter controversy he had with a Saskatchewan media personality and more or less he didn't back down and he didn't say sorry, but he kind of said as being part of the media, we have to be able to respect each other's opinions. And, and I actually, I gained, gained a lot of respect for Danny with that viewpoint. And I know he also shared some, just a lot of really fun stories in general. That one was, uh, that one to me was just, it was different than the rest because it was another media person and it wasn't from inside the locker room. It was kind of th this viewpoint from just outside of the locker room. Yeah. A different perspective from what you would get in there. Very, you know, someone who would have information from the players that I, I found it interesting as well. A lot of what he said, you know, definitely, like you said, the holding other media members accountable for what they're saying and, and not just going out and saying what they want all willy nilly and, no one saying, Hey, you're wrong. So that, that was really good. And then uh, our, the latest one we had was just with TJ Lee again, the BC lions. And I, that was really interesting to, to hear uh, his perspective and how he came to the, to the CFL and a kind of something that's, we may have to bring up with a future guest here uh, for how the CFL does things. Both he and Derek Dennis said they had no idea about the CFL before they got the call that, it actually existed and there was a chance for them. I found that really interesting. Yeah. What I really took from our interview with TJ Lee was he is a very confident and impressive athlete and person in general. He has a lot of belief in himself. He has a lot of belief in his abilities and he didn't hold a lot of punches when talking about some of the, the best receivers from around the CFL. He, he more or less said those guys are, I think in one words, he said, one of the receivers likes to prance around the field. Yeah. And I just, I got to give it to TJ Lee. He actually left me speechless at the end of our interview when I was trying to do the wrap up with him. I was just like, the, the young man just impressed me so much with his drive and attitude. And I was just like, I was, I was just amazed. So TJ Lee, that one was a real eye opener. And I loved his perspective of I'm better than everybody else type athlete. And he believes in himself. So good on him. Good on him. Yeah, absolutely. I think in football, it's one of those sports where you have to fully go into it believing you are the best in your position because it is a, a cutthroat sport where you can sign a, a long term deal. But if things go sideways and you don't have a good four or five weeks, you could be on the outside looking in again. And, and that I think so you have to have that mentality of I'm the best. You're going to have to be the best to beat me because I'm not going to let you. So yeah. I, I thought that was great. But we do we do have some more coming up as well. Like, uh, looking forward to that. Another, you know, we've got some a couple more CFL personalities going to be a little more 
it's a little bit of different direction with another one and go a little NHL coverage as well. So, yeah, so it's been a, a very interesting few weeks. We're very excited about the next couple of weeks. Uh, we got another media member joining us and another player joining us. And we got a couple other things in the works. So stay tuned and we will be releasing some uh, information on Twitter at the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2. But to the to the topic at hand this week, and as I mentioned in our little intro, Ken and I are going to kick it old school and we're going to talk hockey. We actually haven't done that in a while on this show. And there's there's been quite a bit happen recently. One of the first things I really want to get into is a couple of superstar players in the past couple of weeks did some questionable acts and got a slap on the wrist. And I don't honestly know actually how I feel about it because I've watched the replays numerous times of and who I'm speaking of, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, pretty much throwing his helmet or uh, an opposing helmet at another player and Connor McDavid laying a kind of a shoulder to head elbow that both only garnered fines and not suspensions. Ken, what was, what was your take on both plays? I thought they both could have been suspensions, but I wasn't overly shocked. They were just fines. I'll, I'll start with the Connor McDavid hit because it happened first. I I'm not necessarily against just a fine on this one. I think the, the hit was started with the shoulder, the elbow wrote, rode up after I'm okay with the fine where I have an issue with it is you're finding a player who, if I remember correctly, I did the math on it. His game check is $146,000. And you so similar him. to your wage for the bleacher connection. Yeah. I'm just waiting for you to cut that check and then I'll off to the bank, but you know, yeah, yeah, we'll get right on it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you want to put that one in the mail. Uh, we'll figure it out. But you find I'll, I'll post date it. Okay. He got fined $5,000. That's nothing, right? Like it, it's barely a shift. The guy plays 20 minutes a game, gets paid $146,000. That's where I have an issue with it. When you look at other leagues, the, fi- the fines are substantial. You know, ranging anywhere from $50,000 to $100,000 or more. So I think, again, I don't have an issue with the fine. I have an issue with the amount because is it really a deterrent? You're essentially fining, it'd be the equivalent of you and I getting fined a Starbucks coffee, if that. So that's why I did Well, I mean, it's not cheap, cheap. We're not hitting, uh, you know, Petro Canada gas station coffee bar, but. I I'd have issue with that. I think if you're going to fine a player, uh, either it needs to be renegotiating the CBA that the amounts are bigger, or you work off a percentage basis based on the salary because not all salaries are the same. You know, if a guy's making league minimum seven fifty and you fine him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, that depending on what I mean, if it's that egregious, you're going to suspend him. So I think there needs to be a different way of looking at it. Make it a percentage type fine. So that it actually has merit to it, and it's going to be a little more impactful to the to the pocketbook. You absolutely just hit on what I was going to say. Make it a percentage of the the player's salary because the fine that Connor McDavid got essentially works out to twenty dollars for the common man. That's nothing. Like it, it, it literally is nothing. So he did a, a somewhat dirty play, 
and he had to open up his wallet and toss a green bill. Like, who cares? Whoa, what did he learn? So, yeah, I'm absolutely with you that I do think it should be a percentage. It doesn't have to be a hefty percentage, but it has to be something that they'll potentially feel. And again, this is one of the reasons why I thought maybe it should have been worth a game as opposed to the maximum fine is at least if he got suspended a game, he actually takes a financial hit for it. It's a $140,000 fine, give or take. So maybe, just maybe, these finable offenses actually should just turn into one-game offenses because then they'll learn. One other reason I have a slight issue with it is McDavid is a repeat offender. So he has been suspended for a game in the past. Based on that criteria, I, I was somewhat shocked he didn't get at least one game. But as you and I know, the NHL has a different set of rules for players. And it's not just a Connor McDavid rule, it's an everybody rule. And I think Nathan McKinnon essentially got the same benefit for the doubt for tossing his helmet at another player. Ken, what was your take on McKinnon? Well, the difference here, that's a game at minimum. That's a game. Connor McDavid was a uh, hockey play gone sideways, right? I don't you know. know. I want to stop know. you right there. Connor McDavid was based out of frustration because he had been shut down that game and he had been hacked upon a little bit and slashed and stuff. He did it out of frustration, not as a, a hockey play. So, sorry, I, I kind of had to interject there, but I don't agree with you on that point that it was a hockey play. Fair enough. Like it still happened within between the whistles. It was it was yes. gameplay. Yep. It was gameplay. Now, did all the other stuff that goes on? And I think it was like Kimi didn't really have the puck at the time, so whether you wanted to hit him with an interference penalty as well, whatever it was, it still was in the act of gameplay. So that's, well, I'll give you that, that it, you know, maybe not a hockey play, but during the whistle. Okay, fair enough. Connor, uh, sorry, not Connor. Uh, McKinnon, though, that was after the whistle. He'd already got the guy's helmet off in a headlock. And while he's not even paying attention, he's looking at another tussle, two guys paired up to to the side he chucks it the guy's helmet back in his face that there's no need for that that's that's a dirty play there's no need for anything like that so to me that there should have warranted at least a game i I don't know maybe maybe two but again superstar treatment it's a five thousand dollar fine so again it's a it's twenty dollars out of the pocketbook yeah it's a starbucks coffee and maybe a muffin yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't make quite as much as McDavid. So you might have to toss him up and in there. Uh, yeah. What the issue that I kind of have with the McKinnon one is you were throwing an object that actually has like a piece of glass attached to it with a visor. And it actually has a somewhat sharp, ed- sharp edges on it. So in reality, you actually could have cut the guy or, or, or actually hurt him. And helmets helmets are solid like yep. he didn't maliciously overhand throw it like a pitcher throw it 100 miles an hour fastball but there was enough steam behind it like it wasn't vicious but the the whole idea of it was it had malicious intent because why else would you throw a helmet at somebody 
So yeah. that's kind of what I had. There was a lot more malicious intent there to potentially actually maybe kind of, I don't want to say injure the guy, but had you actually hit him in the forehead with the crown of the helmet, it would have hurt. So I think there, there was that type of intent there. You weren't like trying to, you know, cut him in any way, but it, it to me, it should have been a game at least because who throws, who throws a shoe? I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, who throws a helmet? That's straight out Austin Powers. <laughs> the, uh, was it the fourth or fifth one we'd be going into? Honestly, who throws a shoe? <laughs> yeah. I, to the whole point, like it, the safety part of it, the, I can't remember who it was, but he wasn't paying attention. So if he takes any part of that to an eye or whatever, there could have been a serious injury to it, regardless of how hard that helmet was thrown. So I, I, the stars want the special treatment. They don't want to be hacked and hooked and held. They want to be allowed to play, but you can't let that level of frustration when it happens, get to the point where you're, hitting a guy and putting your elbow in his face when he doesn't have the puck or you're chucking a helmet in another guy's face. I, I look at it and you go, you know, Tom Wilson got seven games for his hit. Um, Fabry right, got, so. yeah, it probably should have been more, honestly. Yeah. Like I, I don't care that it's a shortened season and you know, the percentage, if it was an 82 game season is the same, it would have worked. No, I don't care. It, it, I I'll take it back all the way to Mark Messier's final season. You and I were in college at that time or university in Lethbridge. And he tried to impale a guy in the stomach with about eight games left in the season. Yeah, He should have been done for the year, but he got a three game suspension or whatever it was. So he could finish out his final games of the year and get, get his last games in at Madison square gardens. There's always been that special treatment. And yeah. you talk, you talked about the repeat defender thing. Even that has a statute of limitations because how long ago was Connor McDavid suspended? Because if it was long enough, he no longer is a repeat offender. I think under the rule of law, he was still classified a repeat offender. Yeah. So one of the, the takes that I saw on Twitter and I actually kind of thought held a little bit of credence was what if that had been Brad Marchand or Matthew Kachuk who would have laid that elbow? I'm pretty sure those guys would have been suspended. And I know there, there's some superstar treatment there, but had that been Matthew Kachuk who had laid that elbow, Oilers Nation would have been up in arms asking for a 25-game suspension. So, you know, it's it wasn't that bad. But again, there's that whole McDavid superstar treatment. And they, I was kind of shocked at how much, not even local Oiler Twitter, we saw media members who literally tweeted out bitching and complaining about other teams' fan bases. You know, I, I can't remember who it was. They, they, they more or less said, there's more to see here in, in how pathetic the Montreal Canadiens' Twitter fan base is as opposed to what Connor McDavid did. And I was appalled when I saw that. That was a media member essentially giving McDavid a pass, but would that same media member have given Matthew Kachuk or Brad Marchand a pass on that hit? No way. No, and the thing here is no one should be given passes on hits that end up to the head because they want to take it out of the game, they want to get rid of it, and they're not doing enough because we continuously talk about it and see it 
all the time, weekly. We, there's still hits to the head, questionable hits. You still have guys hitting people in the numbers. Go back to, I think it was, was it at the end of the period between the Oilers and the Flames? Yeah, Cassian. Cassian runs through and hits a guy in the, in the numbers and gets two minutes and complains about it. Like, you saw his numbers from the from the get-go, and whether you tried to stop or not, as he argued, he didn't. You still hit him, but you shouldn't have been trying to make the hit regardless because you saw his numbers the whole time. So yeah. the league the league doesn't do enough to police it through suspensions and discipline, and the players don't do enough or have, don't have enough respect for each other to essentially knock it off themselves. Yeah. Steve Coolius, that's who the, the media member was, who pretty much said that Habs Nation was a laughing stock in a train wreck, their fan base, and they needed to get over the, the incidents that happened this year. And that's what it was. And I was appalled when I saw that. But again, not surprised. You see it in, you know, I, I'm not trying to rail on McDavid in any way here, but he does get a special treatment in the media. And rightfully so. He's an absolute tremendous yeah. uh, talent, but he does get a pass in certain situations that he maybe shouldn't. And, and I think this was one. And then, and then that fan base literally got attacked by a member of the media for questioning the, the fact that he didn't get suspended. So I thought that was almost as re- more ridiculous than the actual action by McDavid. So. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. Twitter's Twitter, man. It is absolutely. <laughs> I, sometimes you just got to look at it and go, I know why I'm on here, but I, yeah, I'm just not going to hit the replay button on this. <laughs> yeah. One. There's a lot of times you know, I'm like, nah, I don't have the energy today to, you know, get in a back and forth on this. Yeah. So moving on, trade deadline. We're about a week away from the NHL trade deadline. And I got to admit, I personally think this is going to be a a really, really, really slow deadline. I just think there's so many variables between the flat cap, COVID, you know, teams are maxed out. Owners don't want to spend extra money. I honestly think this is going to be one of the slowest trade deadlines in in modern history. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's a couple of blockbusters, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I know I quite often will will take the day off work to watch trade deadline. Not a chance. Well, Ken, I, oh, go ahead. I, I will be off, but I don't know how much I will be watching. It may be on in the background just because I, I, I agree. It's going to be, I think it's going to be ugly. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I've got the, the trade bait board in front of me and number one on the trade bait is David Savard of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then Kyle Palmieri of New Jersey. And number three is Taylor Hall. Yeah, I guess they're impact players, but that doesn't necessarily scream. In years past, we've seen, in my opinion, bigger names on the trade bait board. Yeah. This year, it's kind of, you know, Jonathan Bernier, number five. Like, uh, no, I mean, We're reaching here this year, I think. Like, let's be honest. If there is, if you look at that list, because I've got it up too. There isn't a Canadian, a player on a Canadian team in the top 20. The closest you get is at eight Toronto's top prospect. Well, that really narrows it down. They, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they have what, 102 top prospects in the top 10? Um, I'll take Austin Matthews, I guess. Yeah, I think Derek Ryan at 22 and Tanner Pearson at 25 is your first Canadian players. 
I, I don't know how much movement is going to happen now, especially with the Canucks. I don't think there's going to be any. I don't think there'll be any. Um, but all in all, if there is movement, if there is a lot, it will be the U.S.-based teams amongst themselves trading because I don't think you're going to have much, if any, of a, a quarantine period for that. If it's a Canadian team, Canadian teams, if they're looking to make moves, those will be made, I would say, I mean, we're recording on Tuesday night. They'll be made within the next 48 hours so that that seven-day quarantine period, seven sorry, the seven-day, is done two days after the uh, after the, deadline. the trade deadline. Because otherwise, you're missing out on players for a good portion of that season if you're looking to make the playoffs. Now, if you trade within Canada, again, it'll come down to whatever they allow for a quarantine period because – the Canucks picked up Jimmy VC and Travis Boyd off waivers. VC would have been in the lineup that night. So, but other a visa issue kept him out. Travis Boyd, he did go into a quarantine period. Um, so who knows what's going to happen, but these names, like I, I don't personally, I don't care what Taylor Hall's name holds as a chip. He is not the number three trade bait out there. The guy has two goals and 19 points is going to make $8 million this year. He's been on two goals for how long? A month? Yeah. Like, if not longer, come on. Like, can we please, can we please just hit pause on Taylor Hall is a great player. Let's just be honest here, people. He's not. Taylor Hall is overrated and has been that way except for one season. Oilers couldn't wait to jettison him, out, jettison him out the door. Like, I think they, at the time, we kind of laughed at the trade, but maybe they actually knew something because ever since Taylor Hall's left Edmonton, like, he was good in Edmonton. He was a good player. He had the one good year in, in New Jersey, but he's he's just gone down, like, I don't know who's declined more, Taylor Hall or Sean Monahan. Like they've both just gone way downhill real fast. And Taylor Hall, I just don't see how like he signed in Buffalo to try to rebuild his stock. I, I think he hurt his stock. Well, he also signed time. there. He signed there because of Ralph Kruger and how he, well he played and enjoyed him as a coach. And Kruger got fired because he can't get that team going. Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall have four goals combined, right? Canucks picked up Jimmy VC. He had five. That's a steal because he makes nine hundred nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars a season. Like he, he was ten percent of what those two players cost, and he has more goals than both of them. I I think it's time to really reevaluate Taylor Hall and stop putting him on such a pedestal. This is a guy where if he gets trade traded by the twelfth, which Buffalo is keeping him out of the lineup as a healthy scratch because apparently trade talks are heating up, he will be on his fifth team. His fifth team. And he sixth is, team when he signed somewhere else this summer. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's insane that a first overall pick in the middle of his career will be, have been on six teams and we're talking about him like he's a generational player. Sorry, we aren't, but others on the media are that are talking about him as a generational player. Sorry, he's a middle of the lineup kind of guy. He is not 
a guy that's going to help your team win. The Coyotes brought him in to do that, and it was a deterrent. It, it didn't help him at all. There's another interesting name on this trade bait, and that's coming out of Florida, Chris Dreger. Is he available? I Are you kidding me? I don't think he's available. That's a team that's in first place in the NHL, and they're going to trade a goalie that has the 2.05 goals against average. Um, yeah. I and think they're grasping at straws on this one. I don't know. Are they, though? He's got a 931 save percentage. He has 17 wins, but you're paying essentially, let's call him what he is, his backup in Bobrovsky, $10 million a season for this season and five more. That's not 17 wins. That's 17 games played. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. Uh, yeah, so, but I think he's got rough, I'm going to say 10-ish for sure. But he's, he's still a big reason as to why they are in first. He and uh, Borowski had identical records back, you know, a month and a half ago when we were talking about him and going like, holy crap, the Panthers are at the top, you know, top of that division. I, I think they're doing it because endless, if they're doing it and they can cash in, it's smart because they can get something better. They can't, it's, I'm going to go to Luongo Schneider. It's exactly what it is. You have a high price starting goaltender and you have an up and coming blue chip prospect. You can't make it the dollars work. At some point, if Chris Dreger is the real deal and continues to get better, he's going to need to get paid. You cannot pay. Well, apparently Las Vegas can. You can have $12 million in goal. But <laughs> well, Vancouver has 13 or 14. <laughs> no, that's next year. Next year. Um, oh, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, next year. <laughs> next year, the big money kicks in for Demco. But you can't do it. Right. Like everyone in Vancouver and Canuck Nation was upset and angry when Markstrom left and signed the six six by six in Calgary. I, I'm not, I was not one of those people that wanted Markstrom to walk. I'm not one of the people that have were bitched about him leaving and not being signed and then are now up, applauding it because he's not having a Markstrom type season. Right. I, I'm not that guy. He deserved to get paid. I, I'd like to see him do better, even though he is on the Flames. Um, but I'm not going to go and, you know, dance in the town square because he's having a bad season and it looks like a good signing now. What I applauded is the Canucks making a choice in goal yeah. and going with a guy. Unfortunately, Bobrovsky's contract is going to be the reason that they make a choice and make a move in this deal. I'll go. I'm going to take the side. If you are the Panthers, you use the leverage with Chris Streger to make a move and bring in another piece that you can use to win now. Here's why I think there is zero chance this guy's available. Sergei Bobrovsky in the playoffs, not necessarily his strong point. This team's first place in the NHL as we record tonight. I just can't see them walking away from their backup goalie because Bobrovsky can't cut it in the playoffs. So I just... There's just no way. I just I can't see it. I can't see them walking away from a backup goalie who could end up being the starting goalie in the year that they may actually have a shot at winning the Stanley Cup. Believe it or not, the Florida Panthers might have a shot at winning the Stanley Cup. This might be the only time they ever have a shot at it. There is zero chance they're going to trade their insurance policy 
in case Bobrovsky, in case when Bobrovsky struggles in the playoffs, no chance. So I'm on cap friendly right now. Chris Dreger is a UFA at the end of this season, 850,000 right now. If he is the real deal, what take away Bobrovsky's contract right now? What do you pay him to be your guy then? They don't, they let him walk. So in that, I think you have to take his, this might be the only chance the Florida Panthers have in the next decade of winning a Stanley cup. I think you have to take that chance. You have your goalie of the future in Bobrovsky, whether or not he's your goalie of the future. Unfortunately, he signed that contract. So, and a no movement clause and a no movement clause. So you have your goalie. So Chris Treger isn't going to be with you anyways. You who cares about a, a couple of assets like goalies, don't gain you a ton on the on the market. You might as well take a shot with him in between your pipes to win a Stanley Cup and let him walk. Could you flip him to Ottawa for a first overall? First or sorry, a first round pick? No. Ottawa unfortunately has their goalie signed. Like I just I can't see it. I can't see them getting rid of their insurance policy. I don't care what the return is. Yeah. If they make it to the second, third, fourth round. Another thing to consider is, especially in in Florida, if we go deep into the playoffs, you might be talking about having fans in the stands. Do you not think the Florida Panthers could really go for, you know, six, eight, 10 home games with 20,000 people in their building? Because that is a distinct possibility a couple months from now. They'd be the the first time they went over 10,000. Well, I know, uh, I know, but they're also fielding the, the best team in the NHL right now. I can't believe I'm saying that. You can't get rid of the insurance policy. Ownership will, won't let them because they might be looking at us going, hey, man, we might get t- 10 gates of a sellout. Like, we've never had that. So I have a hard time seeing it. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that Bobrovsky does have is a very good mentor that when he isn't playing well and Dreger is the number one guy and maybe they sign him maybe they bring him in on a low dollar deal and they try and move Bobrovsky Luongo is there to teach Bobrovsky the the perfect phrase my contract sucks yeah right it's an immovable contract I don't know how you're going to get around that you're right but at the same time you I I look at it as whoa whoa, back up what'd you just say Damn it. I knew, I knew I'd slip one time, <laughs> one time I'd slip and I'd say that. I, oh, I edit this. I can just take it out. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think you're right. I, I look at, I'm trying Ooh, to get that it. again. You don't, you want to go for the win, but if you are the Panthers, do you try and get something for a guy that's going to walk at the end? Cause I can't see him taking low dollar money to be the number one while the backup collects a $10 million paycheck. No, it's not going to happen. He will he will be elsewhere next year. I'm going to say Buffalo might be a really good fit for him. They've, they've been dying for goaltending. Um, Buffalo's going to have to pay people Jeff Skinner-type money to come. You're going to get less than Jeff Skinner quality for more because that franchise is beyond tire fire. I don't know what else you could call it. That is a franchise that is just clueless. You missed the top goalie on the trade bait though. And I'm surprised that you skipped over him. Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. 
he, he's has- only number five by default, I would say. Jonathan Bernier, he's actually had an okay year in in Detroit, but he he doesn't move the needle for me, so I don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about him. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give one hot take here. Sorry, on Chris Dreger. I actually bet he ends up in Edmonton next year on a relatively decent, okay contract because, you know, Mike Smith, again, and we laughed at it this year, and the guy standing on his head, good on him, I guess. But I just can't see Edmonton, again, signing Mike Smith to a $2 million deal. So this one might actually line up for for Dreger to end up in Edmonton. Well, you got Staylock under contract for the rest of this year and next year. Is he under for next year too? Yep, Seven eighty-five. Oh, never mind. Well, that's that's pretty low. But you're paying Koskinen four and a half. Like for I say, both Staylock and Koskinen look to be the goaltenders of next year. But <sighs> you got to get away from Koskinen's four and a half. Do you buy him out? That's like, a possibility. Do you, do you try and move Koskinen now to a team in a sweetheart deal? You move another piece, but they're they're in. The push for the top of the division. I can't see them. You'd have to throw a decent piece in to move Koskinen's contract, but who knows? I Dreger may end up in Edmonton because they need a they need an actual number one goaltender. They don't. Well, I'm it. saying next year, not this oh, yeah. year, but no, next no. year. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that I didn't talk about, and Ken and I didn't talk about, was the Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks being buyers at this trade deadline. Um, unfortunately, both our teams are probably sellers and, and really unfortunately for the Vancouver Canucks, I don't know that there are anything. Uh, there's there's major, major COVID problems going on there. And we're going to touch on the Canucks here shortly, but the Calgary Flames. Last we left off with the Calgary Flames, we were talking about them hiring Daryl Sutter. And we actually kind of both were in somewhat agreement we thought this might actually turn them around. The first five games under Daryl Sutter, the Calgary Flames went four and one. They beat the Montreal Canadiens twice and handily. They they literally skated circles around them twice. Uh, it's gone off the rails since. The Calgary Flames are Buffalo Sabres bad in their last 11 games. They have two wins. They can barely score any goals. One goal, two goals. Sean Monahan looks like a he looks like an AHL player at this point in time. There's some skill there, but it, it, the confidence is is shot. Can I got to say this? I've been a Calgary Flames fan for almost 35 years. I do not know of a time where I've been more disappointed with my team than right now. It's I don't even know what to say. It's so frustrating and, and disappointing what's happened this year. It's tough. Obviously, you know, I haven't had any Canucks games to watch, so I've been watching a few of the Flames a bit more. And, and they're just finding ways to lose. They'll get a lead. It doesn't last. The one thing that I, I would say, going back to the hiring of Daryl Sutter, so many people on, you know, Flames Twitter we're so happy because Daryl was going to bring the no-nonsense coaching style that was going to get these players turned around. They're going to get he wasn't going to accept the lackadaisical play from anyone, the dog in it. It was just it wasn't going to happen. 
And as soon as it came out, the, the Sutter-esque coaching came out by calling out Goudreau for having a horrible game in his 499th, and Sutter wasn't blowing smoke and rainbows up his, you know, butt over how great it is to play 500 games, called him out and said, well, hopefully his 500 is better than his 499th. My God, it was like he kicked a puppy in the street. Uh, like, your coach is supposed to be the one that calls out the players when they aren't going. There's nothing wrong with that. That is acceptable. Uh, you, if you want the players to be coddled, then expect what you're getting. But I've never seen a fan base call for one coach's head for so long. And as get soon as what they, they wanted, get what they want. And then when it doesn't go, you know, what, what was left in this season, 30 games, when they don't go 30 and 0, you want Sutter now fired as well as some are calling for because he's being mean to Johnny hockey. Come on. The team is not performing something. Something is very rotten within that team. Uh, I don't know what it is because pieces keep moving out. The so-called air quoting problems leave and it gets worse. It doesn't get better. So it's, I feel for the Flames fans that have been behind this team because it's not getting any better with the moves that are happening. And I I don't think that Daryl Sutter was going to come in and make them a cup contender. Is he going to make them a better team? Yeah. Has it happened? No. Is it reason to try and now fire him? Who are you going to bring in next? Glant for three weeks and then fire him when they lose (laughs) four in a row? Like the the Flames went three and zero, and then what one and nine in that in the next stretch. The season's done. The Canucks season's done. Get ready for the off season and move on. Like it's not the year, but let it go. There's something needs to change. I've said to you for not just this off season before past, but other ones. I've said Monahan or Gudra, one of them's got to get moved. I've I've said that for a while because. You know, I'll, I'll use a term I've said to you before. Johnny Hockey has looked like Johnny doesn't give a shit on a lot of nights over the past couple seasons. So I don't know what you do. A lot of people are on Eric Francis for wanting him or saying he should be traded, but maybe he's got a point when you look at his no trade clause kicks in at the end of, in this offseason. When the Flames hired Daryl Sutter, and I said this in our initial talk on it, I said, this is a 30 game audition. If anything, I said, if they don't make the playoffs, this is going to be a 30 game audition. Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's a lot of people who just failed that audition. And you said it, there is something wrong in Calgary and something rotten. There's one, there's one constant in the last five years and it ain't coaches. It is the core. It is Goudreau, Monaghan, Giordano, Backlands and so on. TJ Brody was here. It, there was a consistent Dougie Hamilton was here. Now those guys are gone, but there's been a consistent with this team and it's the core. 2018 is clearly the aberration and not like the other when we finished top of the Western Conference. That obviously was a fluke based on what we've seen. So we're as a flames fans flames nation we're going to be in for a summer and it's going to be quite the summer because some of our fan favorites aren't going to be here next year it is glaringly obvious that 
something needs to happen. I was shocked. You and I discussed this a few times that nothing happened last off season with, with uh, Goudreau Monaghan. I've never been on the trade Goudreau, Goudreau train. I'm still not on that train. I think the first one that should have to go should be Sean Monaghan. The issue I have with that is what the hell are you going to get for Sean Monaghan right now? The guy can't even hit the net from the slot. He shoots the puck six feet over the net, essentially on a breakaway. Like he's got three even strength goals in 38 games. Who's going to trade for that? What are you going to get for him now? Mark Giordano. I love Mark Giordano. His time's done. Like it's up for him. He's, he's, I don't want to say dragging down the team, but father time's caught up. Rasmus Anderson, who's having to play with Giordano, looks like a sixth defenseman at best this season. Rasmus Anderson's supposed to be a fixture on our top pairings over the next couple of years, and he's been absolutely a tire fire. He's unnoticeable offensively, defensively. Him and Giordano got to be, what, minus 100, like, is what it feels like. So very disappointed. But to me, the Flames season really breaks down to three players that have really, really affected our season, in my opinion. Sean Monaghan, Matthew Kachuk, Mark Giordano. All three have fallen off a cliff this year. All three's production are nowhere near what we've had before, the quality of play. And I'll give Giordano a bit of a pass. He's older. I'll give him that. But he's still our captain, and he's fallen off a cliff. Those three guys – if we get even remotely average production out of those three guys that we're accustomed to, the Calgary Flames probably are battling for a playoff spot. But how everybody rails on Johnny Gaudreau. How can you get mad at Johnny Gaudreau when he's got Sean Monaghan who can't score anymore and, and Richie on his right wing? How can you get mad at Johnny Gaudreau? Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, it's there's three really key players, Monaghan, Kachuk, Jordano that have been major disappointments this year. And as they've gone, so is our season. I, I say Goudreau possibly trading because I think all in all, you gotta you gotta tear down and start from a new foundation. Yep, you, you I don't gotta, disagree with that. You gotta almost even tear up the foundation that's there and pour a new one because you've got this flame season has done two things. I said they were going to finish first in the division because they got their number one goaltender in Markstrom. They picked up a very good piece on defense in Chris Tanev. He's been our best player this year. I thought that your other additions were going to put you over the top. You guys have made me look very, very bad in that. Me too. I thought they were going to be the team to beat in the division. Where I also will say I will take a W is I don't know how many times I had to, I said to you, I've said it to other Flames fans about Chris Tanev. After that signing, there was people on Flames Twitter saying he was oh. a sixth, seventh defenseman and not worth the money. He the pitchforks were out. He didn't get enough money. Now you've got people saying he's the best player on the team. He's captain material. You're the same people that said he was going to be in and out of the lineup with Shillington. You had Shillington in ahead of him. Yusuf Alamaki is now getting healthy scratched and Tanev is in. I'm sorry, but that is a W for Ken on say, t- 
on Chris Tanev because I told you, not necessarily you, Trevor, but I told Flames Nation that they didn't know what they had in Chris Tanev and just wait and see. Because Noah Hannafin, everyone's talking about how he's having a good season. Well, who does he play with? Yeah. Chris Tanev. So I said it on our show. I said it on Double Digit Hockey. I said it in the um, big one we did with the Blasty Cast and Double Digit Hockey. Chris Tanev makes his defensive partner better, and you don't know what you have. I remember the Chris Tanev signing. I was actually sitting down playing a game of Canasta with my family, and I remember scrolling Twitter, and I came across that, and I was like, yeah, I was so excited that we had signed Chris Tanev because I was on the Chris Tanev train from the start, and that guy has 100% proved exactly what I thought we were getting exactly what you said we were getting. But man, I remember when they came out and they were like four and a half million for four years, like they were comparing it to, to goddamn Troy Brower. And, and it was like, Whoa, hang on a second here, guys. Like he's a top pairing defenseman. And I'm sorry, Quinn Hughes is half the player that he was last year without Chris Tanner. He is not and, having the same season. No. And, and I'm telling you, the pitchforks and torches were out for true living after that signing. And I couldn't figure it out. You were bringing in, you were bringing in a better Travis Hamannick and a better TJ Brody. And people were losing their shit over this. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. So I just brought his name up, Ken. I want to ask you, I, I have my feelings and I'll weigh in on this. Brad Treliving, should he keep his job after this season? I don't know. I think a big test. You can't say the trade deadline is going to be a make or break for him because the Canadian teams, let's face it, you're trading amongst yourselves or you're putting yourself at a disadvantage for bringing the players in with the quarantine. Plus with where they are right now, you're not really going to do anything. I think he may, he might get the draft in the off and the free agency. I think he's on a very short leash but I, I, I'm going to, I'm on the fence. It could go either way. End of season comes and he's done and he's fired or he is short leash the rest of the way until something either goes right or it goes wrong. I think it, there's a big decision to be made by ownership. And if there's a hockey president, you know, president of hockey operations there, a big decision of whether you allow tree living to try and rebuild this team because the moves he's made so far, have not worked. See, and I somewhat disagree with that. I don't think Treliving should be on the hook for for what's happened this year. I think he takes he takes blame for sure. You know, I look at some of his moves in the past, the whole Milan Lucic, James Neal, you know, the Troy Browers of the world. Those those were bad moves. I you can't get around that. But I cannot blame Brad Treliving for Sean Monahan sucking ass this year. I can't blame Brad Living for Matthew Kachuk being a nobody. I can't blame Brad Living for Rasmus Anderson not developing this year. I cannot blame him for some of his best players performing like absolute garbage. I cannot blame him for that. He went out and got us a number one goalie. 
he shocked the UFA world and got us the best goalie. He went out and got us a true number top pairing defenseman. He went out and got us legit NHL, what was supposed to be NHL caliber forward depth. He, as the, the GM here, has made the playoffs every four times in seven seasons. Well, that was more than before. So he's still making the playoffs half the time. I can't. He's a good GM. I A lot of people won't don't like it when you say that he is a good GM. He's not scared to make a big move. He's not scared to try and make his team better. He negotiates contracts very well. We'll miss that if he's gone. We'll like, if you're looking for a GM, who's not scared to make a big trade to make his team better. I don't know what you think this off season is going to be for the Calgary flames. That's exactly what this off season is going to be. You need a GM who's not gun shy and will be willing to pull the trigger on a big deal. And whether your name's Dougie Hamilton, who's been jettisoned out of town, or Sean Monaghan, who's about to be jettisoned out of town. If Brad Living isn't the perfect general manager for that scenario, I don't know who is. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad GM, but let's look at how the sports world operates. It's a what have you done for me? Exactly. exactly. And what is the fans who pay the bills calling for? Right. Yeah. It, it's it, it's all about at the end of the day, the dollars coming in. Right now, there's no ticket revenue. So you gotta continue to hope on jersey sales, merch sales, everything else. If the fans aren't happy and they blame Brad Tree Living, which he is getting a lot of heat. Oh, big time. You see it out there. He could be gone. And it, I'm not saying it would be warranted. I'm, I'm I'm looking at it from a, what have you done for me lately? Because that is how, unfortunately, if you are in management, that's how it operates. And I fully understand that. I, I'm totally in agreement with you that I personally actually do think he might lose his job if we miss the playoffs. The only reason I think he might not is because he just signed an extension and his contract runs out at the same time as Daryl Sutter's. So I kind of think it's, okay, boys, here's your two years together. Yeah, damn well better make something of it or gone. So uh, obviously Jeff Ward didn't get it, but does Brad Tree Living possibly get a COVID pass? <sighs> yeah. This season is a wash. You move on and you try and do it over 82 if we get 82 next year. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ken, it's been a disappointing, absolutely disappointing year for my boys, the Calgary Flames. Like I just said, probably probably the worst season I've ever had to watch. Ken, what's up with the Vancouver Canucks? I know they're they're in an absolute terrible spot COVID-wise. Yeah. Bring us up to speed. What what's 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 the feeling around Canuck Nation right now? Uh it's it's I uh, uh Canucks Nation is Canucks Nation. There are a lot of people out there that are really concerned for the players as update as of today. 18 of 20 roster players, 18 of the 20 players on the roster have tested positive for COVID. Two taxi squad players and a coach, if not more now, I think. If Health-wise, it's ugly right now. And a lot of the players, from they're not too many, like there's some details coming out, not too many, but some of the players are really sick where the team doctors are going to the houses and, and administering IVs. 
and this family one, members. And yeah, it's not good. Like these guys all have kids too. A lot of them do. I know Bo, Bo Horvat has a, a young son. I think he's maybe a year or less. It, it's really scary for these guys because it's not just the regular COVID. It's the variants. I think it's the Brazil variant that is ravaging yeah. through the team. Jake Vertanen was the latest to be added to the list uh, uh, today. And for me personally, as a fan, I could care less if they played another game because right now it's not about hockey. It's not about nope. the Canucks taking the ice and, and making the playoffs or whatever. It's about those guys getting healthy and being safe going forward because let's face it. It's a game. It, it, it's not the be all end all that. Sometimes as Canadians, we make it out to be. Who who cares about the season? I would rather they don't play. I'd rather they get healthy and not have any kind of issues moving forward with it. So it's it's not good right now. And the fact of the matter is they can't even really do a, let's call up the Comets and play out the season with an AHL roster because they're just coming back from their own COVID outbreak. So it's not good right now. I know there is a lot of people that are showing a lot of compassion towards it and are saying the same thing of, you know, cancel it, finish it, who cares, safety first. And that's the the right way to do it. Um, I don't think that's the way the NHL wants to do it. They've already moved a few games to fill in the gaps where the Canucks would have been playing, uh, you know, this past Saturday. It was only one game on Hockey Night in Canada, and you know they're not going to stand for that. So the Edmonton Flames... Edmonton Calgary game in May has been moved to this Saturday coming up. Uh, There's been a few others moved around to open up the schedule at the end of the year for the Canucks to maybe try and finish out the season. But there's also some people on there that on Canucks nation and in Twitter in general, hockey fans who are more interested in finding out, well, who caused it? Who's to blame? Who cares? Does it matter? Who cares who was first or how it happened? You know, Adam Gaudette's wife was on Twitter defending him and herself saying that when we did the contact tracing, we were told we did everything that we were supposed to be doing. So it's very easy to catch. It doesn't take much. And if you're more worried about who got it first so that you could vilify them, give your head a shake. Seriously, take a moment to sit back and evaluate what you're doing. Because that is just completely offside. It's out there. Um, who cares who got it? And people talking about how uh, watching the Canucks and watching hockey is helping with their mental health during during this pandemic. I'm sure it does. Pick another team because the Canucks aren't coming back this year. And if you're more worried about that and it's all about your the mental health about enjoying it, you clearly don't give a crap about the players overall health. If you're more worried about them getting back on the ice. Um, I'm going to read a couple tweets here that I just thought was completely offside. And are you kidding me? Ian McIntyre who covers the Canucks for um, I believe it's the province and Sportsnet, says, understandably the NHL wants Canucks to play full 56 games, but four in a row versus Ottawa, April 22 to 28 are probably irrelevant Schedule could be shortened, altered, so Canucks play playoff-bound teams that week. Nothing wrong with that. He's not saying they need to get out there. He's throwing out possibilities. 
because the league is trying to make it seem that they want him to play. They don't want to cancel it where I say, are you kidding me? And it's completely offside is Damian Cox replied, quote tweeted it saying the question then becomes, are you handy, handy or handicapping those playoff bound teams by forcing them to play against a van team that's more rested than it otherwise would be. This is a complex problem. Are you out of your damn mind? More rested? These guys have COVID. They don't have a cold. They don't have a runny nose. They have COVID. And I think Eddie Lack commented on him and said, rested? Can tell you haven't had COVID yet. I'm in great shape and I was tired for about a month after. Then mixing guys not skating for two to four weeks. This isn't a week off in the Bahamas or the, or Mexico. This is laid up in bed, getting sick, getting IVs. Come on, Damien. That is about the worst take I've read in a month. And there's some absolute crazy ass things on Twitter. And you just went to the top of the list with that. I couldn't believe it when I read that. Yeah, you kind of hit on the take that's really bothered me the most. And that's people thinking that the Canucks are kicking back, relaxing, you know, get, getting rest. And then there's going to be this like crazy push at the end of the season to play all these games. And it's not going to be fair because, you know, came off a week prior where they were on their mandated break. And now they get two weeks more off and they're going to have healed all their bumps and bruises. You don't know anything. That's got to be the, the, the worst take of all of them. And not just Damien Cox in particular. I've seen it from lots of different, like that angle on Twitter. It's like, no, these guys aren't getting rest. These guys are getting sick. They're, they're, they're potentially having like lifelong health problems because of this. And you're literally worried about a, a 19, 19 games that, that have no bearing on the NHL standings in any manner. Like the Canucks should not play another game this season. Let's get that team healthy and let's get them like as healthy as they can be. Like they may have lasting problems for the rest of their lives. And people are assholes enough to say, Oh, they're getting rest. Give your goddamn head a shake. Like you're just an idiot. Like the Canucks should not play again this year. And I don't care if there's uh, three weeks left in the season and they are back to hundred percent. They shouldn't play. Because their health is more important. It's not that important. The dollars aren't that important. Health before money. I know it's not going to be that way. And I can guarantee the NHL isn't going to do that. Because the NHL only gives a shit about the bottom line. And the money in their pocket. But to me, they they just shouldn't play. Let these guys recuperate. And not have to worry about being professional athletes. Let's let them worry about being human beings with their families. That is what's important here, people. Well, let's take it one step further with, you know, trade deadline coming up. We kind of talked about the flames and that there's people that are upset that Travis Hamanick didn't waive his no trade clause when Carolina came calling and asked the Canucks if he would be willing. He said no. And good for him. He negotiated that he wanted to stay in Western Canada because he opted out of the bubble as a flame because he has a young child who has respiratory problems and he doesn't want to a be away from the family and 
doesn't want to do anything that potentially get his daughter sick. And now he has COVID. So yeah, Canucks fans being upset that he didn't waive his no trade clause. Well, guess what? He negotiated it. He got it. And for 1000% the right reasons, family. And if you have an issue with that, wait till your employer comes to you and asks you to waive something that you've earned over your career in your time with the company, and then come back and tell us how you feel about it. Right. People were upset that Tanner Pearson got hurt two weeks before the trade deadline because he was a trade chip. Yeah. I'm sure he completely meant to went out there to get hurt. So the Canucks couldn't trade him and pick up a second or third round draft pick for him because he might be someone that another team wants get over yourselves. Like these guys are professional athletes, but first and foremost, they're human beings. Like they're not here for every one of your whims. They're here to provide entertainment, but they're still human beings that are playing a game for a job. Um, I don't know. I Good news that came out of the Canuck line, Thatcher Demko on a five by five. I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, that was actually some interesting news that came out recently. Uh, I think he's worth that contract. The only thing I'd be worried about is he still really only played 20 game, 20 regular season games as a starter. You know, he had a couple of good playoff games. He still hasn't proven himself to be able to do it for 82 games. And do I think he can do it? Yeah, I do. I think that Dr. Demko is the real deal, but I'm surprised they didn't try to get at least one full 82 game season or even 56 game. And, and I know we were just talking about the business of sports doesn't matter with the Canucks right now that their COVID issues matter, but I'm surprised that they didn't try to get a little bit of a longer look at him, maybe shy to sign him to a bit of a shorter term deal. And, Cause what if he can't handle an 82 game season? Like th- then you're locked into half of Bobrovsky, <laughs> but half of Bobrovsky, <laughs> half of Bobrovsky. Did that half of Bobrovsky translates to English tradable contract? Yeah. <laughs> so the problem is he was coming up as an RFA. Quinn Hughes was coming up as an RFA. Elias Pedersen is, was coming up, is coming up as an RFA at the end of the season. I don't have an issue with it. He's played 62 games. His progression, and eventually it will plateau or drop and go back up. He has been on a steady incline with his progression as a player as a professional he had his time in Utica he played in the minors he developed he got time there I think the Canucks have done it right with him and not throwing him into the fire that you know Markstrom left they couldn't get that deal done hope he hasn't been a lights out goaltender with the Canucks and I never no. expected him to be that way I never expected him to come in and be the guy I said it to you when they signed him that's a good signing at a decent dollar and they don't have to protect him come expansion draft. That's a guy that can be there to help Demko continue his progression and give him a little bit of insurance, but also put that pressure on him of we're going to give you more games. You don't have this guy for a lot of time behind you. So you, I, I like the signing of Braden Holtby as a gap stop to Thatcher taking over as yeah. being the guy and he rough start. Rough start for the entire Canuck team. But before all this happened, they started to show flashes of getting better. By no means, I I think they were going to be a top flight team in, you know, this season uh, with how it all started. 
But once they had a chance to get going and, and get a few practices in and things like that, they started to turn the corner and have a better season. Still a rough one. But Demko, like his save percentage and, and goals against average just went from being to, okay, that's pretty good. He, he's had a good turnaround. So I don't mind the signing. I like the five by five. There's some risk on both sides because if Thatcher turns out to continue to climb, 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 and he's a Vesna type goaltender in two years, well, he's underpaid. If he does have a little bit of slip, the Canucks aren't overly overpaying him for that deal. Well, and there you have it, folks. Lots of hockey talk from Ken and I this week. We, uh, we've been kind of sticking to our CFL the last while, but it was, it was good to get caught up on some of the rumblings from around the NHL. You know, we'd love to hear from you guys, Flames Nation, Canucks Nation. What do you think of the seasons? You know, are we off base on some of our, our Canucks talk? I don't think we are at all. And the Flames talk, well, just go on Flames Twitter and you'll see everything you ever want to about what the fan base thinks. But we'd love to hear from you guys at the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2. So that's our show for this week. We got some more exciting things coming up for you in the the coming weeks. Uh, As Trevor said earlier, check out on Twitter. We'll be dropping hints here and there as to what we got uh, going on. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. That's the show for this week. Talk to you later.